cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition My name is Charlie Clawson And this series is called My Club And this week, the club in question Is the St Kilda Football Club So it's going to get very Saints heavy Just a warning off the bat so you know uh, Comedian Matt Stewart has come by. Uh, he is the host of Primates and do go on to fantastic podcasts that you should check out. Um, but he's also a Saints fan. So we do get into the weeds a little bit. We start bringing up some players from the 90s that I think maybe, unless you're a keen follower of the Saints, you may not know. Um, but I think it's an interesting chat. You hear two people who follow a club that has never brought them anything but disappointment. You hear two guys talk about why they choose to keep following that club. So if that sounds like a cup of tea, strap your in for the next hour because here is Matt Stewart. Matt, thank you so much for being on Two Guys One Cup, my club. It was uh, a long list of celebrities, celebrities, uh, celebrity supporters of St Kilda to pick from. There was <laughs> Molly Meldrum, Shane Warne, Eric yep. Banner, but I thought we'll go for the biggest star, Matt Stewart. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I, I was... Um, was it me or Goxy? That's what I was wondering. And um. well, it's funny. There's a. I've been sort of going through the list of all the teams and people that I I kind of know or could reach out to, and St Kilda had the longest list. <laughs> I mean, bizarrely, the team that probably has less to talk about in terms of football success has the most <laughs> amount of people who can talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, there was a video. You were possibly on it uh, this season, thanking the supporters, and it was from. Club ambassadors. I don't know if yes, you're involved I in that, but it was because it was you, Goxie, and everyone else was a news <laughs> or a weather person. Yeah, well, I remember I was at an event, a Channel Seven event, a few years ago, and I ended up uh, talking to Sandy Roberts somehow, and uh, I didn't realize that he was a St Kilda supporter as well. Did you know that? I, no, I didn't. I know mean, that. we're everywhere, <laughs> sleeper cells, just waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, elusive Gil McLaughlin, yeah. right? The the whole the boss of the whole thing's on yeah. board. Or he says he I is. Mean, he doesn't seem to do us many favors. Do you but. ever think, as a Saint supporter, like, you know, you sort of see the bandwagons of like Richmond or whatever? I I know we're a small club, like membership wise, and and you know, just statistically, we're a small club. But I always feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of dormant St Kilda supporters. I know during our peak period, sort of oh nine and ten. We maybe got to like 40,000 members or whatever. But I feel like if we could just snag another cuff, that you would see the entire peninsula come alive. 100%. Yeah, that, there are a lot out there. I'm sure, I don't know if this was a myth that I was sold as a kid, but I was told that we had the, you know, the most Dortmund supporters. <laughs> That's in the a league. myth. <laughs> that is a myth. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, how do, you, how, how do they qualify? I be, I'm like, I believe that. I, yeah, I guess it's. I, Maybe just count if they counted everyone who said I have a soft spot for St Kilda, then maybe that would. You know add what? Up. I think I think that is legitimate. There has been a number of guests so far in, in in this version of Two Guys One Cup who have. I mean, I find it a bit patronising. I'll be honest with you, but most of them will mention at some point that they have a lot of affection for St Kilda. But what I hear 
when they say that is your club was never a threat to my club. Therefore, I do not fear you. Uh, yeah. The soft spot goes away very quickly as soon as success arrives. Look at Richmond. Uh, that happens every Look time. Look at Richmond. They were, yep, they were exactly. everyone's lovable, cuddly, like sitcom next door neighbor. You're just waiting for Richmond to stumble into the kitchen and slip on like a banana peel. But now it's like, oh, now they're like Tom Selleck. They're Magnum PI. They're cool. They strut. They get up the girl. Yeah. And you're sitting in the corner just looking at them, hating them. Do you get jealous of other clubs' success? Yeah. Like, do you, are you a bitter supporter or, or are you kind of resigned to that's what a St Kilda supporter is? I'm not. I don't think I'm, uh, I don't think I'm bitter necessarily, but I do get jealous. Mm. Um, I'll normally, like, when a grand final comes around, I'll barrack for the team who I have the most mates who go for because I sort of feel like I can live through them and I know that they're at least enjoying it. But uh, I'm always jealous that they get to at the same time. You know, like Collingwood supporters talking about the drought from 1990 <laughs> to 2010. and So that's not a drought. That's not a drought. Uh, if you've had multiple in your lifetime, two different teams in your lifetime have won a premiership, I mean, come on. I just want one. I, I 100% get that. I mean, how do you feel like it would change your life to get that second flight? I'd, I don't know. It feels like a weight would be lifted <laughs> off my shoulders. My posture would improve. Um, I'd walk taller. And I'd probably, I'd care less about football probably. You know, it would be like a thing that I've now done. I'd still follow it, but it wouldn't matter quite as much. Just one is all I need. So why do Hawthorne supporters keep watching? I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't understand how they care still. Like, what does it mean to them? Oh, we won another premiership. Cool. Chuck it on the pile. Yeah, I don't understand at all how they can front up year after year and give a shit about it. Yeah, I always find it staggering even talking to like Carlton supporters who have had a really, you know, rotten 20 years, but they got 15 flags. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I often tell yeah. this story about when um, the club invited me down a couple of years ago to check out the redevelopment at Moorabbin and going around and seeing all the brand new facilities, which are great, but then sort of being led up this kind of little catwalk to wear the lone premiership cup, like a diamond in a heist movie, <laughs> the lone premiership cup in a glass box. And it looks over the ground. And I'm sure it's meant to inspire the players. But I reckon if I was training at Marab and I just saw that one flag <laughs> looming over me, it would be an awful lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a big shadow it's casting. Although they, what they should do is chuck the wizard cup <laughs> next to it and the Anset cup. And then all of a sudden our cupboard looks pretty full. <laughs> So tell me, where does your St Kilda journey begin? Is it a family thing? Did you pick them? Uh, no, it's a family thing. I was assigned yep. of the team, but I actually was born a Carlton supporter. My mum was a Carlton supporter and her side of the family's Carlton and my dad's side is St Kilda, but he was told to change as a kid. So he grew up in Moorabbin. Both my parents did, Moorabbin and East Bentley. Right. And uh, so they... And th they were going for the Saints before they'd even moved to Moorabbin, my dad's family. But he he was the eldest son of uh, 13 kids and he'd get the white strip dirty every time he went out to have a kick. Mm. So Nana made him change teams <laughs> to save on laundry and um, that was to Carlton uh, because they got the plastic little easy to, thing easy on the to, top that's easy to easy clean. To wipe, just one wipe, it's clean. So he met my mum as a Carlton supporter and they were both Carlton supporters and they moved to the country where me and my siblings were born. In Charlton, we were living. And their local team 
was the Charlton Blues who wore the, the Carlton jumper and everything. So to me, I reckon I probably saw Charlton play more than Carlton, but I was a Carlton supporter till we moved to Moorabbin in 1989. They moved back to town. And um, I remember my uncle John uh, sat me down. He took me away from the family, my dad's brother John, and he, he sat me down in the front room and he goes, all right, Matt, you're a Saints supporter now. And I said, okay, John. I had no <laughs> idea what it meant. I didn't realize he was trading me from the most successful of all time to the least successful. And it was just a, in a second, it was all done. Yeah. And mum, I must have been the saddest thing because mums are still, we're the two in the family who are still sort of diehard supporters. Mm. She's Carlton, I'm Saints. The rest can sort of take it or leave it a bit. And she had to unstitch the number four for six Kernahan off my back and put it onto a Saints jumper to turn into a plugger. And I can just imagine that being absolutely heartbreaking for her. But, you know, what a good mum, hey? So tell me, how old were you when the switch happened? Like eight, nine? I was five. Five, okay. Five. So I don't so remember not, ever seeing a Carlton game. And no attachment. Like there was no yeah, kind exactly. of... No players that you kind of were attached to. I mean, it would have been a good era to be a Carlton supporter. Like, you know what? You could have given yourself another 10 years and that would have been great to be a Carlton supporter yeah. then jump ship to St Kilda. Exactly. But no, yeah, so I I, so I got I, – I only figured this out re- recently. I was a Carlton supporter in 87 when they won a premiership. So I've sort of technically <laughs> experienced it. I just have no memory of it. Um, I, I assume the game was on the telly that day, but – yeah, and then 89. So I missed 95. I went with my granddad, the Carlton granddad, to the uh, qualifying and prelim finals for Carlton in 95. So I was sort of like, you know, it's not the same, but I was a big fan of Mill Hanna and, you know, a few of those Carlton players. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just the jealousy thing that you're watching people go through it. But then in 96, we beat him in that Ansett Cup, That's right. you know, and it felt pretty good. I was at that game. That's when, uh, of course, the St Kilda fans, the success star St Kilda fans stormed onto the ground <laughs> and partied like it was the year 2000. <laughs> like it was hilarious how much we enjoyed that. We drove, we went to the game, but we got locked out. Right. It was like Waverley Park, what did it hold, 70,000 yeah, or something? It was a lockout Wednesday for a preseason final. Wednesday night in February or something. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely success starved. But oh yeah, I remember that. It felt like a it felt as good as a grand final, you know. I mean, until this point I mean it's it's kind of the biggest achievement we've had. You know, apart from that Wizard Cup. And you remember how well we celebrated that. Grant Thomas and Lenny Hayes looking like they're at a funeral. Yeah. Well that was clearly so embarrassed by what happened in ninety six. Yeah. It was like the directive went out, do not climb the goalposts <laughs> like we did in ninety six. Slightly overcorrected, but yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though, I, I didn't realise that you sort of came into that era of St Kilda. So in a strange kind of way, even though we haven't had the ultimate success, the teams that you remember as a young kid, probably when you started really taking notice, you know, as like a 10, 15 year old was when we're coming into that Stan Owls yeah, era, right? that's right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've been, for a Saints supporter, I've been pretty lucky, really. Like, um, I mean, it's funny that two I've lived through two of our most successful to... eras uh, when I haven't lived yeah. through a premiership. <laughs> but, the you know, the <laughs> mid-90s, good. 96 Ansett Cup in the 97, the, uh, the, our first streak, not the one that was commemorated mm-hmm. with the DVD in 2004 <laughs> oh or whatever, God. but... 
The we won ten games in a row leading up to the ninety-seven grand final, and yeah, oh, I mean, people listening, people listening might not know, but the streak that Matt refers to—it's one of the most shameful <laughs> bits of marketing in St Kilda's history. In two thousand and four, I it? think it was two thousand and four. Yeah. We won, we won the first nine games of the season. <laughs> And it was such an odd occurrence. We released a DVD <laughs> called The Streak. And I don't know if you ever go into any like um, football forums like Big Footy or anything like that. But for a while there, anytime some St Kilda supporter was piping up, someone would just respond <laughs> by posting a thumbnail of The Streak DVD cover. Yeah, not much you can say to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you but you did you did get to see like, you know you probably maybe at the, you missed the sort of Lockett era, but you did get the kind of Winmar Low Harvey Burke era when they were at their absolute peak yeah. in ninety seven. Yeah, so, so I got so I did I, I remember seeing Plugger play um, at Moorabbin. So we because we were living there, we walked down to the games and um, I Plugger was my jersey and yeah. um, I remember just sitting you'd sit. At, we sat behind the goals at the South Road end, and you know he just he just kick it to you all day, you know, goal after goal. <laughs> One time, it my dad marked it, and he brought the ball over to us, and we sort of huddled around me and my siblings, and he goes, "Have a touch of that, a real AFL footy." <laughs> <laughs> so we were sort of patting it like it was a cat or something. It was a beautiful That's moment. Yeah, it was really, and uh, the crowd turned on him because he was taking so long. You know, the umpire wants the ball back. It's only one ball in the game back then. And then it was, he went, he was like, at the time, I'm like, Dad, what a what a legend. He grabbed the ball for us and then he turned around to throw it back, didn't make the distance and, and hit a, a kid in the head. And he sort of, you know, he went from hero to dunce very quickly. But, um, yeah, Marab, uh, I, I, I was lucky. I know I heard, I was listening to a few of the other episodes you've done of this series and you're saying you, you weren't a big fan of the sub- the suburban era, but I, I feel- well, it's it's not that I wasn't a big fan, but I could see the benefits of the game getting more professional yeah. and going national. I mean, I, everything you've just described, going to the ground and seeing Plugger kick fourteen goals, you know, and that I loved, and that's where my love of the St Kilda Footy Club was formed. But I think like anything, Matt, you grow and mature yeah. <laughs> and you want different things, you know, like suddenly I want kind of a nice big clean ground with good parking and, you know, easy access to an ATM. And and so it's just more that, you know, I wanted the game to mature yeah. with me. It's like, yeah, I guess but I, rugby league sort of probably halfway between where it was, AFL was in the 80s and it is now. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I I definitely have some romance for the suburban grounds, but yeah, it, it is good that the league is viable as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think what the the answer is you want like viable. If a viable AFL means a viable amateur league means viable junior league. So, I like nothing better than a country football game. I love like parking your car on the hill and honking yeah. your horn after a goal and all that kind of stuff. But for those clubs to get money and exposure and sponsors, then we need a super professional outfit like when that 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 thing comes up where i talk about i I like football better now it's also just because i want the game to succeed like i honestly think i grew up following a lot of sport but this is the only one that stuck with me and i think that's because it's the best game in the world yeah yeah i'm i'm with you it's i like I, i follow a team in every major league in the world but only one i really properly follow and uh yeah it's the saints and afl um 
Yeah, I I I also like going to the bigger grounds and stuff, but I, I'm loving how uh, like the Saints have now got an AFLW team and they're playing at Moorabbin. So yeah. Moorabbin's the home ground, so I'm planning on getting down to games there and you can sort of have the best of both worlds a bit. Yeah, the AFLW definitely does have that kind of, that old school vibe, which is great. Like also access to the players and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, 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 uh, if Morabin was going to come back, he didn't want it just to be a training ground. The fact that they've turned it into, into a, like a community center and have a women's team, I think is awesome. So good. Yeah. And they, I think they even play like a, a preseason men's game. Well, they did last year, which sold out. And uh, we Were beat the Hawks. That? No, I wasn't. I watched. Well, I was away somewhere, but I watched it on the telly. And uh, I was in. I was in Melbourne, um, but my daughter had only been born like I think four months earlier, five months earlier. And my wife was down working, and I was down looking after the baby. And in my head, it was going to be totally fine for me to just like after she's done like a fourteen-hour day, just to give her the baby, so <laughs> yeah. I can drive down and rabbit at five o'clock to watch my my team play like a practice match, essentially. She was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's not even for like premiership points. No, you're staying here. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that probably makes sense. That fly. It took me a while yeah. to figure out stuff like that. I, I remember um, going to see a game, not a final or anything, just a, a you know a home and away game, and then rocking up to a good mate's 21st birthday at 11.30, <laughs> wearing a Saints jumper and going, oh, anyway, happy birthday, mate. Like, I, where are your priorities? <laughs> going on there <laughs> so strange looking back i think it wasn't until i was probably about 18 or 20 or no it would, it would have been later than that based on my example being a 21st i was trying to give myself an out there it was probably when i was about 30 when i started going honestly you've probably got to get the uh, priorities right here in terms of um yeah footy if you're free go to the game but don't like block it out against all other things I don't know, man. Like when I used to live in Melbourne, I used to love this kind of time of the year, January through February, when all you're doing is reading training reports online and stuff and going to training. And back in the day, it used to be quite relaxed. You know, you could sort of go down right on the fence and get up up close and see who's injured and who's playing well, who's burning up the track, who's training the house down, who's had their best preseason in years. PB in the 3K. That's right. Um, but I used to love all that. And, and that was kind of, that was something that I, I thought would, uh, change as I got older, but it's like, no, no, now that, uh, AFL is a 12 month of the year, you know, seven days a week, look, they have such great digital marketing departments. Like you're getting that stuff all the time. Even when there's absolutely no football news, they can post two or three things a week that'll keep me hooked. Yeah. They're, yeah. They've become, it's become an art form and they spread everything out, you know, drafts, there's multiple drafts. There was news today uh, that, uh, who was it? Um, uh, Mason Wood is training with the Saints. I heard. What, what is heard it? That. It's like the second week of January. And they've <laughs> they found a, an angle for Saints supporters to be reading and, and going, what do you reckon of this? I wouldn't be surprised if the AFL didn't go, hey, can you just give this guy a go so we've got a story to post? <laughs> Very clever. Anyway, I've read multiple so, stories about Mason Cox. I've looked back through his stats. <laughs> and what do you reckon? Uh, handy pickup? Uh, I mean, he delisted from the ruse. You know, that doesn't. Yeah. It's not a great sign. But injury plagued. Uh, a lot of North Melbourne supporters are saying, um, good skills, but kind of uh, not not so good at getting the ball. And that 
Yeah, that right. does feel like one. That sounds a bit like me as a junior, actually. <laughs> Very good when I'm kicking it on the road by myself. Uh, but when you had added other players around, it got difficult. So as a young kid around the mid-90s, was there a player that sort of first captured your imagination? Yeah, well, I, I think I I know this because I've got two badges that I bought mm. in the 90s. One was Nicky Winmar and the other was uh, Justin Peckett, Frankie Peckett. And I, yes. I think they're still my two all-time favourites, I'd say. Yeah. What about uh, you? Nikki, yeah, Nicky Winmar, Rob Harvey, I think I have a sentimental attachment to because I won his jumper in a raffle after we beat Hawthorne for the first time in like, 20 years at Moorabbin. It was like the best day of my 11-year-old life. And then um, we went to the Saints disco after the game and they'd ran a social club raffle. And I've never won a raffle before or since and was not expecting to win uh, Rob Harvey's jumper, who was best on ground as an 18-year-old that day. But that's what I – That's that. I, but I won it. And so I remember at his testimonial, I think it's like his 300th testimonial um, dinner, I bought me and my brother a ticket to go. <clears throat> and Rob was there and a bunch of old like stars but I waited until like you know he had a moment to himself and so I walked up and said hey Rob look my name's uh, Charlie Clawson and you won't remember this but when I was 11 years old uh, you played a game at Moorabbin first time we beat to Hawthorne in 20 years and you're best on ground and there was a raffle afterwards and uh, you know they gave away your jumper and I was the little boy that won that jumper. And he was like, oh, and he seemed like genuinely kind of like touched. And then I said, I've still got it, Rob. <laughs> and then the look on his face just sort of changed from, okay, cool, to like, how could, where are the exits? Yeah. Like, how do I get out of this? Oh, that's, but so Rob, I reckon Rob, I was there that Rob night. Harvey. I went to one of his testimonials. I was, yeah. Well, he played 348 games. Yeah, he had a few of them. Could have, maybe it was the next one. There's a one. lot of them. But yeah, now Nikki Winmar for pure excitement. I just, I actually was thinking a lot about, um, uh, Nikki uh, uh, last year when um, you know the statue went up and I was like I actually don't think I appreciated Nikki Winmar as much at the time because now I look at our list or I look at like the league and I'm like there's no players quite like Nikki Winmar I mean I guess maybe like Nat Fife plays the most like him because he had this combination of like strength and aggression but so skillful yeah. you know and he sort of he had like in all if you if he was a like a video game character and you were powering up, like all the categories he ranked high like agility, yeah. strength, aggression, power. Yeah, you know, strong. He was, he was a, a unit. He was just yeah, every yeah. could take the highest mark. Could kick running yeah. goals from fifty. He'd do anything. Yeah, I remember in like eighty nine, uh, I think uh, Plugger was injured. I think even Stewie Lowe was out. We played Melbourne at the MCG, and it was a really muddy day. And so we had no forwards, essentially. And Nicky Winmar was throwing to full forward. David Grant went to centre-half forward. And Winmar kicked nine goals that day in the wet. And I have, it was the most dominant display for an undersized... He was playing full forward. <laughs> like, Ridiculous. Nicky Winmar, six foot maybe, uh, maybe at the tallest. But that was when I was like, oh, this dude is unbelievable. And then if you, if you go on YouTube, which I've done this year, and just Google Nicky Winmar highlights, like... Any one of them is like a player of the day. Like he, he took mark of the year like three times. Yeah, yeah, absolute freak. Yeah, unbelievable. It was real sad when he he uh, left to go to the dogs. It felt. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know what happened there, but it, yeah, it felt like uh, unfortunate that he. 
I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that I reckon nearly no one would even remember that it happened. So it was, he's basically a one-club player. But um, Yeah, look, Dermy, Dermy played for two other clubs, but he's still yeah, a fourth exactly. player. You know, like I think if you excel at the one club, then, you know, Barry Hall played for the Bulldogs as well. You know, like, yeah. Akamanis, like you sort of you sort of just brush over that part of the career. Even Michael Jordan went and played for the Wizards for a couple of years, yeah, didn't Yeah, he, he did, yeah. Yeah, I think they've just written off those stats. Um, I was thinking, just um, uh, listening to your show, and I, I like how every episode it goes to the Saints anyway. It's a, it makes it such a great, great show. So this is like <laughs> an overload for listeners. Yeah. But I, I was going back through some of the 90s listener. Do you remember there was this weird time when we seemed to um, send a lot of guns up to Sydney for some reason? How long have you been yeah. living in Sydney? Great. Uh, like 20, just under 20 yeah, years. Yeah, right. So I, maybe it was still just about, just the ones that stuck out. No, Plugger, was, of course. It started earlier than that. Craig O'Brien, Jack Daniels. Plugger, Barry Hall. Well, Jack Daniels, we sent him. They <laughs> did send him back. Like return. <laughs> Returns policy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we we did that. We I think there was an era too with Ross Lyon and Paul Ruse when they gave us like Schneids and Dempster. I think there was a fairly... Um, healthy uh, respect between Sydney and St Kilda for about 15 years. I don't know if it still exists, but we're not the kind of teams that would haggle over trades. It's like, all right, you know, we'll give you a plug yeah. or give us three, you know, top 20 draft. I don't, yeah, we uh, not we never quite had a Dodoro type uh, driving the hard bargains. No. But yeah, it, no. th- it's funny you say that uh, the Swans probably don't have that respect for us anymore. I don't think the competition does, you know. Oh, mate, you know, this year, on the last year, sorry, I should, I've almost forgot what happened. We're an hour four sick once again. Yeah. Well, let's not, uh, let's not jump too far ahead because I'm, I'm keen to sort of pick through um, the next sort of glory era that St Gilda had, which was the 2000s. Because right, I'm curious now, to see what you think. Because I, I mean, because yeah. I was, you know, a young, it, um, you know, into my early teens in that 90s era and then mm. sort of in a, a young adult during the the next great, almost great era. Um, I, I wonder, I'm curious to see what you think, who was the better team? Because I reckon you could almost argue the 90s had more stars. Yes, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. I think the 90s, the 90s had more stars, but I think... 2000s are a better team yeah. and I think that I mean I don't I don't know how you feel about Ross Lyon but I think maybe he was a better coach maybe not strategically but in terms of getting like players to do what he wanted because you know how Ross Ross seemed to th- seemed to have this game plan where if you have like five superstars then you can fill the rest of the team with you know good ordinary players and that'll get the job done and I feel like maybe that was Ross's shortcoming mm. in the end because if you look at his recruitment and stuff, we never really kind of went in for top draft talent. We traded really badly. And I think that, you know, Stan Owls had like a bunch of superstars and even our role players were exceptional. I mean, remember like uh, that was when, um, oh God, I've forgotten his name for a second, the full forward. Uh, he played like four amazing oh, seasons. Oh, Jason Haley. I can't. Jason Heatley, yeah, the Western Australian guy. Like, he was a role player, and he kicked like ninety <laughs> yeah. goals one season. He came That's came out of the clouds. That was amazing. Yeah, and he just didn't miss. That was yeah. you know those players, and we don't. I mean, memories. We have uh, is one of those guys now, but 
we haven't really had many for a long time. That player where you just like they mark it and you sort of pencil it in. Plugger was always like that. Um, but yeah. yeah, I believe the technical term Matt is the dead, dead eye dick. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Love those dead eye dicks. Yeah, so I think that there's an argument to be made that we had more stars definitely in the '90s, and those were the players that you know, kind of captured my imagination as a kid, but that might also be a product of the age I was at. Like, you know, when I think about posters and stuff that I had on my wall, when it got to the, when it got to the noughties, I was in my early twenties. I actually had a bit of a break from football when I moved to Sydney. So we came out in 97, 98, bombed out of the finals. And then Tim Watson came and the whole, everything fell to shit. And I, at that stage was like, ah, you know, (laughs) I've been through the eighties. I remember this. And I didn't really have the stomach to go through it again. And so I just sort of tuned out for a bit. I was sort of half interested, but not really. Uh, and then I moved to Sydney and it was really easy to stay away from football. But then around about 2002 or maybe 2003, I think we won another preseason cup. <laughs> we beat Geelong. Yeah, that's, that was the, yeah. And there was all this. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the wizard. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, the wizard <laughs> cup. And there was all this talk about like, who has the better young list, Geelong or St Kilda? And I was like, the Saints, look at us. We are fucking shock off block with stars. If either of these two teams is going to win three out of four flags, it's going to be the Saints. Yeah, I did feel it felt very hopeful at that point. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there were I mean, just little things and that it went a very different way. I think it was the same in the early 90s. I've heard some people say, and they were probably Saints supporters admittedly, but the was it the 92 or the 91 team? where we just got done by the Cats. I think um, yeah. Ablett cleaned uh, yes. up Burke yeah. and someone. That's and right. I think Br- Brownless and Lockett had a shootout at either end of the ground. It was one of those games where back in the day where one team would kick 16 goals yeah. and another team would kick 14. But, it, like, we win that game and who knows? You know, the 90s was a, a lot of what-ifs. But I guess that's that's the whole Saints back catalog. I, I, think, I think the 97 list was better poised to win a flag than the 90. I was at the 91 and 92 finals. So the 91 is, I think, the Geelong one. And then the 92 was when we beat Collingwood and then played Footscray. Yeah. But I think that team in 97, like I've watched, I could finally bring myself to watch that grand final about three years ago. I haven't been able ago. to bring myself to it yet. Oh, you know what? It's actually, it's, I mean, look, Speaking personally, it feels like you're watching black and white TV. It feels so right. old. Like it's, there's no emotional. You can watch it like a scientist, like an archaeologist. You're raking over the past, but you have no emotional connection. But you look at that team, you know, with Aussie Jones and Joel Smith and uh, Jason Heatley, and, and that's not even to count Lowe, Burke, Harvey, Winmart. Like yeah. the thing that killed us that year was Peter Everett was having an amazing season and then he broke his collarbone. The next game, Lazar Vidovic uh, gets rubbed out, I think, or maybe he gets I think he was well. injured as so well, we maybe. Yeah, but so we went – and then it, who was it? Brett Cook, I think. So, so. Yeah, sounds So funny. it was a guy who maybe hadn't played a game before. <laughs> I think they found the, the, <laughs> the closest, tallest man, and he was in. <laughs> yeah, they went to saw, They went to High and Mighty, the men's, <laughs> yeah, men's clothing right. store. <laughs> Big Brad, the first guy they saw. Yeah. Did you go to that game yeah, in 97? Yeah. Uh, so I, I went to all the it. finals that year. I mean, I would have gone to every game in Melbourne pretty much that year. And um, Well, sorry, we should backtrack then because prior to that, the prelim against North Melbourne, 
that may be close to my greatest football. Yeah, memory. it's right up there for me as well. Because that felt like that, felt the, like that was the harder game. You know, that was, we want, we just, if we get through this, then we should be able to beat the Bulldogs or the Crows, you'd think. And then where the Bulldogs um, seemed like the bigger threat and they went down to the Crows, I was like, oh, this is all setting up pretty nicely for us. But yeah, we, because it was a Friday night game and they owned Friday nights, the Ruse, back then. Yeah. So I was I was going to that game expecting to get done. As well as, I mean, they were already a very handy team. They won the premiership the year before, right? Yep. That's and, right. Uh, you know, it was Carey and Archer and all that. And I think I was I was on the wing where, what happened? There was like a big collision with Archer and it was, no, what was it? No, thinking McKernan. McKernan, there was a big when, sandwich. Uh, we gang tackled McKernan over the line and broke his collarbone and took him out of yeah, the game. That, and that was big news. That was like he was a Brownlow favourite yeah. that year or something. Yes. Well, I think, uh, was that the year that Harvey beat him with the asterisk next to his name? Maybe, or did he beat, no, beat Grant. Oh, with Grant with the asterisk, right. I don't know if it was McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now that, the, 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 that being at the MCG with a crowd that big and that ecstatic is the closest that I've ever come to what it must feel like to be at a grand winning grand it was final. Amazing. Like I remember, my I was there with my brother and uh, his wife and his and his wife's brother, and immediately hatching plans about who's going to get to Moran. Yep. Like my my sister in law's brother was going to jump on the train then and just like camp out, fly at the front of Moran. We tickets. had the same thing. We rounded our um, Arnie's place, and I reckon you know it would have been thirty family members there, all on their on like working the phones trying to figure out how <laughs> working the phones like a telephone. Yeah, there would have been you know just the landlines. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Fucking rotary phone, yeah. goddammit. I can't dial fast It just enough. felt like, yeah, they were, everyone had an in somewhere that they thought, we'll, we'll get everyone sorted, don't worry. <laughs> and I I didn't, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a ticket. But um, it seemed like everyone in the world wanted to get a ticket, so it felt unlikely. But I, I was because I was living blissfully, in Moorabbin, I guess. Everyone in Moorabbin wanted one. Bliss, blissfully ignorant, though. I just, I remember sort of being part of these plans, but just assuming, oh, yeah, I'll get one. Not realizing until I got much older how fucking hard it is to get a grand final ticket. Like it's really hard. Yes, I I didn't get one in 2010. Uh, I got one for the replay, but I didn't get one for the for the draw. Oh, good. Yeah. So I got the I got Lionel Richie, who did pregame at the the the, the draw. Yeah. Probably no no oh. one up there with how well oh, did they do remember. to get Lionel at the last minute? Hunters and collectors, I'm, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. I think '09 was Farnsey, I'm pretty sure. I can't really remember anything about the pre-game entertainment. Like, I must admit that the 2009 Grand Final, <clears throat> I was very calm. I felt like we had that game. Like, I think the longer it went on, the more nervous I got because in my head I thought we're dominating gameplay. Yeah. You know, we're beating them in all the key statistics. We're just not putting it through the middle. Eventually, that'll correct itself and we're away. It's a wet day. Three goals in front will do it. And so I think I just kept... Because I'd seen us do it all year. We only lost two games for that year. I'd seen us shrug off 
dogged opponents before. We just out-muscled and out-gridded teams. And so I remember at quarter time, I think we were a goal up or maybe a couple of goals up and I was feeling pretty confident. I was like, oh, that's a, you know, we missed a couple, you know, hit the post, that kind of stuff. I saw Nick Revolt. You remember that insane mark he went for on the wing in the first quarter where he just completely, I mean, I know he took a lot of those yeah. marks. But in the first quarter, he, he did this kamikaze thing where he just went fucking head over heels for this mark and landed on the back of his neck. And I thought, oh, he's dead. <laughs> um, but the siren went for the end of the first quarter and I remember being like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I reset. But I was feeling really calm. I was like, I like what I saw. And then this Geelong dude out of nowhere, like I was in my own head just like thinking, you know, through the game. And this Geelong dude just sprang out from the chair next to me and was like, you're fucking going down, cunt. Oh, jeez. Like Hello. Yeah, like he was really like, he was really in like battle yeah. mode and like charged off. And I was, I, it sort of took me out of it. And I was like, oh shit, like, that dude is really emotionally invested. I don't think, I didn't take it personally. I think that dude was just so like kind of freaked out and nervous and, you know, he just, <laughs> it was an involuntary reaction. Yeah. But I remember thinking, why am I so calm about this? Like maybe I should be more anxious, but that didn't come until the last quarter. And it was when, in that last quarter, when uh, uh, McWalter and was it Schneider, they both had shot running shots on goal and both missed. I was just like, oh my God. God, like we're doing everything we can to lose. Didn't this game. Milne? I've got a vague memory of Milne going to Him run it on the ground, it. and it didn't make the distance. Yeah, yeah that was in the second yeah. quarter. I mean, there was a, there was a bunch of things that were just like it was just an odd day. Like I, I, I still feel like we were easily the better team. Like everyone talks about the toe poke, and you know what a great move that was. But if you watch the replay of that, Zach Dawson is millimetres and seconds away from being a grand final hero. Because I don't know if you remember it very clearly, but what happens is that the ball spills out. Ablett is on his own at centre-half forward. Zach Dawson is running back with Tom Hawkins towards goal, sees what's about to happen, lets Tom Hawkins run to the goal square and charges back towards Gary Ablett. Now, when the kick goes towards Gary Ablett, he's about 30 metres in the clear. He looks like he's just going to gobble it up. Zach Dawson sprints and closes in and gets a fist to that ball. It's an amazing bit of defensive play. Then you get Scarlett and Cozzy running the other way towards the bouncing ball. All Cozzy needed to do was just lay a bump or a shepherd or make some space. And Zach Dawson could have kept going, collected the ball, run it to the forward line. But that's obviously not what happened. And look, maybe this is the bitter moment, but that really grinds my yeah. gears. <laughs> that, that, that moment was poised to be like... Uh, one of the most seminal moments in St Kilda's history when Zach, Zach Dawson was going to become a grand final hero, but it didn't happen. Oh, it's so brutal. I, and it's the, they're the moments that um, I, I hate it when people talk about culture. Saints don't win premierships because of culture. Oh. They're just not a club who wins premierships. Like this, these are little tiny things. This has got nothing to do with culture. It's just, a bit of luck or a split-second decision someone made. And that day we were we were the best team that day, we were the best team that year. Obviously, Geelong wins, so it's even better for them to win when they weren't even, you know, the best team on the day all that year. But, man, it fucking sucks. It just sucks so bad. You know, people, people who are listening to this, you know what they're doing right now? They're just prepping a thumbnail of the streak. Yep. <laughs> the their eyes are rolling out of their head, no doubt about it, hearing <laughs> some sad saints. Um, yeah, I, 
I'm starting well, to think, why why are we doing I, this to ourselves, Charlie? That, that culture thing is interesting because I'm exactly the same. I, I bring this up with quite a few people on the show is when people talk about the culture of a club, I'm like, how can that be a real thing when lists change and boards change and stuff? But when you look at other clubs, you do have like an idea, like there's an identity to a club. And, you know, as sad as it is, the identity of St Kilda is that they lose. Like it is a defining characteristic of our club. And I think that regardless of who the board is or the list is, that single premiership cup is looming over them when they're at training. Yeah. What I'm trying to say, Matt, is they need get to get rid of that cup. cup. No, I, but I do think it would be a lot of pressure. In 09 and 10, I remember like, you know, when you're consuming all that press and so many of the 66 premiership players that are still with us are just like, oh God, yeah. like, please let another team win it so we're not trotted out every time there's an anniversary. Tell me what your take on, on culture is. Like, do you, uh, culture in relation to what people say about St Kilda, like always being a losing team, but like culture in general, the AFL, do you buy it for other teams and not for us or do you not buy it across the board? I buy, I buy it. I buy it like the team right now has a culture. I don't buy that when they were playing in long johns and high heels in <laughs> 1903 that that has anything to do with today. But I do, I, I buy that, you know, the current group of players for each team with the coaching staff have will have built a culture and I, that's i mean it's the cats until their uh was it 2000 and whatever it was 2008 or whenever it was until that point that was supposedly they always choked out in grand finals and no one thinks that of them anymore that's changed yeah. with one group of players basically a Richmond is the perfect example. I mean, exactly, yeah. People fear Richmond now. Like we're kind of, they're at that point where <clears throat> they're on the, you know, on the verge of becoming like one of the greatest kind of modern era teams. And suddenly it's like, I mean, Will and I, you know, got two, two and a year and a half's worth of material out of Richmondy, and yeah. then we can't even bring that. That joke seems so dated now. <laughs> There's yeah. no way you could bust that. People are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like it's Richmondy, gone. You mean That's a, you such mean a excellent? distant memory? I th- who's the Richmondy now? Yeah. Demons? Um, Melbourne. Yeah, Demons. I think so. I mean, Demons have kind of always been Richmondy. Like, <laughs> it's just Richmondy. Richmond did it with... When the Demons do it, it's not funny. It's kind of sad and predictable. But when Richmond did it, it was always funny. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> Richmond were like the, the neighbour on a, on a sitcom. Yeah. I think if but, maybe it started out funny for the Demons because they used to be, you know, the tough team who, I mean, they're still probably the tough team, but they used to be successful as well in like way back, the 50s or something. Haven't they? I think yeah. they've won 10 premierships or something. Yeah. I think their drought is longer than ours. I think it was the 50s since they lost their one flag. I, th- I think they're they 64 and we're 66. Yeah. Got them. <laughs> we yeah. got them. Yeah. We got them. I mean, is there any sense uh, with me, like I, I've always had a grudge um, or a chip on my shoulder, I should say, for Geelong because of that, you know, that Wizard Cup game where the commentators said we had the two best young lists. And as I watched their success, I was like, that should have been ours. Yeah. Do you Especially, have Especially, well, I think, I mean, it's hard because 09, you know, was every, like you said, every stat in that game, apart from goals, was <laughs> we won. So, yeah. and it, I mean, every, we lost two games leading up to that one and they were by a combined eight points or something. 
people like it looks like it was a two goal win, but it was a it was a it could have gone either way that game. That goal after the siren, no one was on Doesn't the mark. Yeah. He was able to dribble it through Rook and Tom Hawkins hit the post. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it didn't just hit the post; it ricocheted on a forty-five degree angle. I can't understand how that was paid a goal. That I do find that game to be the that's probably the most heartbreaking game of of my time with the Saints. But I, one of my best mates is a Geelong supporter, and he's so magnanimous. If that is what that word means, he's very very <laughs> kind about it. I remember the game yeah. that we won during the year, the home and away game, that went end to end. Oh, and we were up. We sort of dominated of that one as well. And King took that huge mark. Was it King? Gardner. Yeah. Gardner, sorry. Took that huge mark in the goal square. And we were, sta- we were standing behind the goals going, honestly, you guys are great. And he's going, no, nah, no, nah, the Saints deserve this. It was it was pretty <laughs> funny, actually. Because I guess we were two kind of losers back then. Even though he did, he was coming off a premiership. I forget that. Yeah, I reckon I'd be the same so after a premiership. Yeah, mate, you guys are the best. Don't worry about it. How I would be so generous. I mean, I've witnessed it firsthand with Will. Like, you know, the whole premise of Two Guys, One Cup was, you know, two guys commiserating over their club's lack of success. And in the very first year of the show, the Bulldogs win a flag and torpedo our our whole concept. Um, But he's. I was really hoping that you were going to. You know, you were going to be able to use that magic for us as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck, I tried. I mean, he came up with a slogan and stuff. Was it reverse the curse in 2016? And I was like, annex the hex. And someone said, you don't know what annex means? I'm like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Will has definitely, the change I've seen in him, he's relaxed. Everything that you uh, mentioned earlier in the episode where I think I would, you know, just chill out for a bit, not be so focused on it. That's exactly everything that's happened to Will. Like, you know, the Bulldogs have had a fairly disappointing <clears throat> run since their premiership, but Will's okay with it. He yeah. saw a flag. You know? yeah. So it hasn't stressed him out too much. And, they, I mean, they, they, have, they have been disappointing, but they've still given some value. Like each season they've had a spurt. They've always felt <laughs> like they could. You know, they did it that year. Why can't they do it again? So I think they've given the gift of, you know, belief but we could do don't it from you think anywhere it's a, bit, it's a bit like the Wachowskis or M. Night Shyamalan though it's like but the Sixth Sense was amazing <laughs> yeah, and the Matrix yeah. is amazing and so we keep waiting for the Bulldogs to fucking you know that first thing you did was awesome just do that one again it's like oh we only had one of those in us yeah um, which could have been the Saints in 97 you know I felt like everything yeah. came together that year it was a, a streak at the end, I think we won the 10 games into the grand final. We were leading at mm-hmm. halftime into the third quarter. We just ran out of gas and ran into Jarman. But, um, yeah. It, and that would have been seen like that. And because I was pretty young then, I don't think I would have, I would have appreciated it as much. But it, that was the perfect setup for us to win in 09. And, yeah. uh, I mean, just be happy for the rest of my direction. life. Well, it was just such an outstanding season. Like to think that we went, you know, uh, we won won uh, every game but two. I remember actually, and I I never post on football forums, but I like to just float in and just sort of see what's going on, see what the scuttlebutt is. Sensational.com, is that still going? Yeah, Sensational is still going. And I still go to it, even though every Saint supporter tells me, what are you doing? Like, don't go into that sewer. And it is a sewer. But I like to kind of see what, what the what the most polarized views of my football club are. Like there's people 
who posts on Saint Sational who seem to hate St Kilda and hate football. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why they continue this misery. Never optimistic. Every draft picks a dud. Every recruits shit house. You know, our midfield is always B graders. It's like I, the I understand like the kind of you know, I question why I support football, but I still feel like even when they're shit, I get some joy out of something, you know. There's a player who will, like, you know, I'll, I'll get hopeful about. But I don't go there and hate. <laughs> I don't go there and fucking hate on no, everyone. No, I don't get the point of that. I go there and feel sad sometimes, but I don't... <laughs> I never get... I don't really get angry, you know. They're, they're going through it as well. Yeah, it's fine. I don't get, yeah. I don't get those supporters. I know a few Saints supporters who are like that. That toxic yeah. kind of vibe, and it just—it's no good. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good for anyone. Like, why you suck the fun out of footy to anyone around you when you're like that? I reckon. Yeah, it's just, I put them in the same category as the as the same Saint supporters who also believe the AFL is out to get us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always like this QAnon style kind of like, oh, of course we lost that game. The umpires are against us. The AFL want us out of the league. It's like they fucking don't, mate. Like they've been propping us up for ten years. The boss is literally a Saint supporter. <laughs> but yeah, that I think that is exactly what those groups are like. They are QAnon. Um, uh, what do you call it? a bubbles? What do you call it? Like a, a vacuum sort of, there's only one. Yeah. They're just confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I used to spend, there was a time I was in sensational a fair bit, but yeah, I've, I've dropped off and haven't been in there for years now. Yeah. I, uh, I still, it's funny when, cause we've had such a, like a, a dry 10 years, I really fell off big footy in a big way because I didn't want to go on, and see, like, someone started a thread about is St Kilda the worst team? Like, yeah. where how low will St Kilda finish this year? But when we're winning, it's great. It's great because I, I mean, you talk about sort of like um, magnanimity, mag magnanimousness, mag magnanimity. What is it? Mag uh, magma. Magma. I think it's magma. It's magna red hot lava. <laughs> But when after a victory, I like to go onto Big Footy and go to the the game thread and see supporters from other clubs like doff their hat. Oh. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, validation. Yeah, I like this. Oh, the... especially if it is a supporter of the other club. I'm always like, classy. That is classy. classy. That is classy. I love that. I hate the opposite of it. I think bad losers or even worse, bad winners. I never get that. I've I've seen yeah. a, a few uh, friends on Facebook after Richmond's wins will. Go on to posts about who they beat, you know, GWS, oh. uh, you know, oh. uh, don't deserve to be in the league and that sort of stuff. Like, why are you, why are you thinking why about you that today, the in? day you've won a premiership? <laughs> That's bizarre to me. I just would be, I don't know where I'd be. I, I've told uh, everyone, if we ever win a premiership, don't expect to see me. Um, don't worry about me. <laughs> I'll get in contact sometime in the next week or so. I'll be leaving with my passport. I'll wake up where I wake up. I have no idea. <laughs> but I certainly won't be online making fun of the opposition. What a weird way to enjoy a win. Oh, I just, uh, I, I can't even imagine it. Like, I've had quite a few people, you know, um, uh, especially Richmond supporters and Hawthorne supporters say, look, oh, I'd love to see the Saints win a flag. You know, they've got bucket loads now, so they're, they're feeling comfortable. But I honestly... 
and you know, I'm an actor by profession, but I honestly can't imagine what it would be like if I ever got sent an audition. It's like, you're a guy whose team's just won a premiership. I'd be like, oh, well, I'm not going in for this. I just couldn't possibly manufacture that. I don't. I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. Can you like? Could you? No, have, I, you have you? Have I, I you don't fantasized know. about? I mean, it? I'm trying to I think. Feel of so foreign. The closest. You might as well say, let let's walk. Like when we walk on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> then. The closest is those grand final weeks. The prelim wins. So I've lived through three and I've been at all three of those games. And it was an amazing feeling, electric feeling. And mm. um, all the way up to the game, it was, you know, um, it was a roller coaster of nerves, but excitement. I remember what, going to the replay, walking from Flinders Street Station, there was this big old, it was like a, a Cadillac or something with the top down. Mm. And it was just blasting out an old school version of this, uh, when the Saints go marching in. And my heart was just beating out of my chest. It was, I, I felt like at one of those times where I felt like yeah. I was walking a foot in the air. It was like yep. so surreal. I don't know what it feels like after the win. I feel like it would be hard to top that feeling almost. You're right. Grand final week when your team is playing is awesome because it's like half the city is has picked a side like i remember in uh 09 going past st kilda town hall and they had draped the pillars in red white and black and i was like this is amazing yeah. <laughs> like we're in st kilda and they've put the town hall in st kilda colors that's fucking awesome and then you go down ackland street and there's saints flags everywhere and you almost feel like you're playing. Like yeah. people are wishing you luck during the week and all that kind of stuff i remember because i called michael chamberlain who's a hawthorne supporter and I was like, what do I do, man? Like, what do I do? And he was really good at giving advice. And he was just said, just take your time to read everything and tape all the shows and just consume as much. Because if you do win, you're going to want to go revisit all that. But watch it now because it's fun anyway. But it's even better to watch, you know, like the kind of all the build up when you know you've won. Yeah. Um, but I remember going to the 97 grand final. And did you go to the parade? Uh, no, I was, we had, we had a fan, we were at a caravan park that week at, uh, somewhere in Victoria, and right. um, so yeah, which was already booked in. So that was the other. We had to cut the trip short, and we <laughs> drove in. It was like a four-hour drive the morning of Grand Final, straight to the G, <laughs> and it was just me and my dad got dropped off there. The rest of the family went to watch it on TV somewhere. I think it was just yeah, and um, so I missed the parade. I watched that. We you know watched it on the well, telly and stuff. You missed the single greatest bizarre moment which is they so they had the players going past the crows players the saints players and then eric banner in character as pointer is in the back of a convertible with his mullet wig and his saints guernsey on and a vb and a cigarette and he's doing the head nod thing like going up collins street it was like what the fuck is going on here i like to think of like those the, sort of images being beamed around the world you know to espn <laughs> in america and stuff and people going up oh, this is this is confusing believe it or not that guy's going to go on to work with spielberg yeah but the bizarre thing about it, there was no like Adelaide equivalent. It was just, here's the players, here's the co coaches, here's the support staff, and here's Pointer. <laughs> that is, I'd never heard that. That's bizarre. Well, yeah. I guess yeah, they, they were trying to spice it up a little bit after the success of Angry <laughs> Anderson in the Batmobile a few years earlier. Still exactly. chasing that high. 
So uh, do you have a player that is your favorite of all time? And it doesn't have to be necessarily a player that you saw, or maybe someone you've seen in replays, but is there one player that just like is above the rest? It, it's Frankie Peckett, Justin Peckett. Wow. He's, um, I don't know, it's, I'm not sure why. I, I got to meet him recently. I interviewed him for a, a YouTube series I'm doing interviewing childhood heroes. And he was, and it, they say don't meet your heroes, but he was so good. So generous, so humble. <laughs> Very like people forget he was second or third in the BNF in '97. He was a a really good player, and I just it was I don't know why I like that kind of player, the the uh, silky halfback runner, who was maybe yeah. a bit loose, not super defensive, but if they saw a chance to run off their man and and take bounces up the wing, um, yeah. So and he was I think he was always a. A bit different to the others as well. He used to drive uh, that sort of Cadillac-y oh, kind of car or a Holden yeah. or something. It was some stretch car with wings. Eyebrow, eyebrow ring. Yeah, exactly. It's, he probably, was in the Tism film it, clip uh, for Greg the Stop Sign. Apparently, yeah, I seen it. asked him about Go that on. and he said um, uh, the word got through that, that Tism were filming their film clip there and he, he was the only one who was excited about it. So can I be in that? And if you watch it, the they just got whoever else was around. It was Joshua Kitchen, I think, and uh, <laughs> one of the Wakelands, I think. And, that, um, and then yeah, Frankie Packett, buddy legend. Yeah, I think he'd be he'd be the number one, and Winmars, I reckon, would be the other one right up there. A lot of the other ones are kind of hack, I think. Um, I mean, Winmars probably almost a hack answer, but Harvey, Lenny Hayes. Um, it's hard. To, I mean, you, you feel silly saying Lenny Hayes because that's like the kind of everyone loves him. But I think, like a player who is never my favorite, <clears throat> but then in retrospect, like when I think of Nick Revolt, I'm like, it's not so much the kind of player he was or whatever. Like he was an exceptional player. I'm not saying that, but like in terms of capturing your imagination. But I think it was seeing him get to kind of that 12 year mark in his career when his knee was fucking shot and we were on the slide. And he just fucking found another level, yeah. And just ground his way to another All Australian, and ground his way to a you know like a best and fairest finish. And it's just like this fucking dude. Like, if we had eighteen of him, then you know we'd be unstoppable. And I think that maybe it was because I you know I've always sort of been drawn to players who are a bit more sort of quirky or or, or low key or whatever. And he seemed like he was such a leader. He was confident, you know, the blonde hair and stuff. But then when I look back at his career in retrospect, I'm like. He was unbelievable. I think that was actually part of the, the the huge fall off a cliff we had in 2018 was we underestimated what losing Nick Revolt was going to do to our side across the board, not just as a player, but in terms of, of leadership. Like we were talking off air before we started recording about like, you know, how it could be a very different podcast if, you know, things hadn't changed after Alan Richardson. But I remember in 2017 when that game where we thrashed Richmond – and at that stage, people were talking about St Kilda making finals and Richmond being on the slide. Yeah. <laughs> and then we all know how that ends. But then Revolt retires at the end of that year and we go into 2018 full of optimism and we win four games for the year. I remember being in LA and staying up to like 3 a.m. to watch like the first couple of games and being like, I don't think I can do this. Like it was really like a... Uh, 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 a, a moment where I had to question whether or not I had the stomach to because we just looked so terrible I'm like we're going to finish bottom of the ladder again and I just don't know that I can do another rebuild yeah I think the hope and I kind of I almost believed that the hope was that he'd leave the power vacuum 
and it would mean other players had to step up, but they just mm. just didn't do it. And there was that crop of players, a fair few of them have left now, who were kind of the the group of up and comers who never quite took the next step. Mm. Mav, bunch uh, of top twenty, Mav Weller picks. and Nunes, Blake and, Akers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, it's a funny. It is a funny transition from Nick Revolt to Jaron Geary as well, and just in terms of everything about him, uh, I think Geary, yeah. Geary's a, a good captain, and he's like kind of old school body on the line. That famous photo of him with the stitches all the way oh. down his leg. Uh, but yeah, very different. You know, Revolt was a once in a generation player, and um, yeah, it was a big hole that we did not fill. And we're only starting so, to think about it now. If you put him into the team exactly. now, we would be a genuine premiership threat. Um, you know, King's a few years away from being that sort of dominant player. Well, hopefully not that long. I mean, but. So do you feel like uh, last year, obviously, I think took a lot of people by surprise. I was quietly optimistic. I thought maybe it would take a longer time for five new players to gel. But I think... What I saw this year was very different to what I've seen over the last six years yeah. in the sense that just from a pure enjoyment point of view, I think we have a lot of players like um, you know, like uh, Billings and Ross and stuff who are really good at doing their role, but they need, they need clear direction, like they need a clear thing to do. You know, Billings, I felt like we sort of didn't know where to play him and, you know, they sort of, he was a half forward, you know, rotating through the midfield and... Gresh was a forward pocket and stuff. And maybe it was just Alan Richardson came in at the wrong time because now I think Billings and Gresh and stuff are owning, like Billings is a great wingman now, you know, and Gresh as a midfielder is coming along. I think maybe that they've crossed that five-year mark. But the last year I just saw so much enthusiasm and appetite for the contest and, you know, nothing to lose. Uh, it just it, To me it felt uh, like 20, 2003 all over again. Yeah. When um, uh, Montagna and Del Santo and that were just coming Del Santo. in. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know, I mean, I look at our list and there's a lot of players who probably people outside of the club would have no idea about, especially the young ones. But guys like Josh Battle, I look at Josh Battle, I'm like, this kid's pretty amazing. Like he is a six foot three midfielder who's really tough yeah. and can take a great overhead mark and we can put him at either end of the ground, you know. How's that goal against or, the was against the Giants in the last round or I think um and yeah. He can do he can do anything kind of. And he was uh, he was battling to get a oh, pardon that. Hey, uh, he hey, was yeah, no, <laughs> he I was won't. struggling to get a spot in the team at the start of the year and um but I think that's the other thing when you bring in five players who are all you know, Top eighteen or top ten players in our team straight away, basically. That just that makes mm. the list so much better instantly. So Seb Ross went from a BNF to now he, I think next year he'll be sort of on the bench, on the fringe of at full strength of not making the team. Or tagging. I mean, I think basically he and Jack Steele are swapped roles. Yeah. You know, Jack Steele is now the distributor. I mean, it's so great too to have a player who in the you know in the last six years. I would have been hard-pressed to say, like, who's your A-grader or who's someone you get super excited about. I've always liked Jack Billings. I was really hopeful about Paddy McCartan, you know. like yes, in, You know, the, first, the the handful of games I saw, I was like, oh, he just looks like a leader and he's such a beautiful kick and he's courageous. But, but 
this team and these players, like I looked at Jack Steele and I'm like, well, Jack Steele's a fucking like dynamite midfielder. Then Dan Butler is probably as good as a, a half foot. How he didn't get all Australian last year is, is crazy. Robbed. <laughs> I reckon that would have gone off in sensational when that came down. Um, but yeah, he was surprising me. I I don't know if I was not paying enough attention or what, but I was so excited about it. Like in terms of um, going above expectations, he just went over it ten times for me. He just was amazing, yeah. amazing year. I, it's sort of reminiscent to me a bit of what Paul Ruse was able to do with the Swans, you know, around two thousand four, two thousand and five, which is they had like you know three or four really good players, and then they would just cherry pick you know, players, big bodied, mature players from other clubs and just turn them into really good players. You know, they're a good re- rehabilita- rehabilitation yeah. club for a while. And it's like, okay, so we've got Brad Crouch, we'll add that to, you know, and Jack Higgins and Dan Butler. Like these are all good players who have proved themselves to some extent at other clubs and just been starred with opportunities. Like if it's canny recruiting, because there's, there's always this romanticism too, you know, especially from hard course and kill supporters. It's like you go to the draft and you get the best young players and you bring them up in the Saint system. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> Where has that got us so far? Yeah. Can we import some premiership success? Well, yeah, I think that's the thing, right? So you, you get to a game like 09 and we're in that position again. We will have maybe that was Schneider the only one with premiership experience. In that era, something like that. Yeah. But if you all of a sudden you've got a third of your team—Hill, Higgins, Butler, Hanabry. Hanabry, all of a sudden, they, none of them are going. Oh shit! What happens now in the third quarter of a, a grand final? <laughs> and then you start to doubt yourselves. I, I, who knows if that's what happened or not that day? You know, there were balls bounce in weird ways and whatnot. But the Geelong had the belief, I think, in the end that day. And I really do think yeah. that's what dragged them over the line. I'm not calling that culture. I'm just saying they won a premiership the year before. No, I love the idea of you take a camera into the St Kilda huddle at three-quarter <laughs> time and literally Ross Lyons like, shit, I didn't think we'd get this far. Do you know what we should do? And all the players just shake their know. heads. I don't know. Ask Schneider. Schneider's like, I can't. I vaguely remember. I think we've got to kick goals, which he was not able to do, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. So what's what's your uh, favourite memory? What was a game that you went to or, or something associated with St Kilda football? Oh, I mean, I, I I was I've been a lot at the of, of the you know the modern era. I've been a lot of the iconic sort of games like Spud Frawley's last game was the only time I ever saw an AFL game at Witten Oval, and it was his last game. And um, I think we won unexpectedly. I was there at Prince's Park the first time we beat Carlton in what the older people were making sound like, you know, a hundred years, but it was probably a couple years, of decades yeah. or something. And that was our just the, you know, because I was pretty young at that point. I think it must have been early nineties, uh, but it you could just tell that it just didn't happen. You didn't beat Carlton, so that was pretty electric. But I think my favourite was uh, catching the bus over. For the Adelaide qualifying final in two thousand and five, was it when we we finished? Wow, that was one of the best games. So Rob Harvey kicks three yeah. goals. My God, you were at that game. Yeah. That is one of my all-time favorites. That where James Gwilt was playing like yes. his third game and was like he was amazing. That's a, that that's a yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and we so we weren't expected to win, and it felt the whole way through it was nervy, and we. Um, 
I think we maybe we gave up a little lead at the start, but we were on top and just held them off. Even though the crowd, it just you could tell they thought it's a matter of time before they overrun us. But mm. we just held on. I think Frankie Peckett had a good game as a veteran. Harvey was getting on and he had a great game. Just sort of like he would have been 30. Kicked the sealer, I believe. 37 or something at the time, just still having a cracking game. And then my mate was a water boy for the team at the time. So he sent me a message. He said, come oh, have yeah. a drink with the team. So me and my cousin who'd caught the bus over went to the hotel and they were just, not everyone, uh, but some of the players. I had a lot of beers with Aussie Jones, I remember that night. He was <laughs> celebrating pretty hard. Um and then I remember Harvey came in and he went he went straight up to the rooms. I think he was keeping it pretty chilled out. But, yeah, it was so fun. Luke Penny, yeah. I think, was he there that day? Yeah, the fullback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I rem- Haas probably went up to his hotel room to break his patella. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, that's that story right. about so he, he was run. off for a yeah. run. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it was just a – it was. I mean, the game in itself was amazing. And then that night to – party through the night it was probably at the end like i'd almost be embarrassed to do that now rock up and go oh hey god <laughs> but i was just young enough and uh carefree enough to um, wander into the the team party and that's awesome it's so appropriate too that a st kilda supporters like most cherished memory of st kilda is getting on the beers with them after a win i was so jealous that you uh i mean the game i think the game in itself would have been enough but that was just the the cream on the cake. But hearing that you actually went to the Saints disco, that's just something I've only ever heard of. You know, it's it's mythical to me. So it's I'm very jealous that you got to experience it firsthand and, you know, be a winner there. Raffle winner. Yeah, mate. I've... <laughs> uh, okay, what's your worst memory to do with the Saints? I think, I mean, the the year where we started hopeful a couple of years ago and it fell off a cliff and we realized it was uh we were basically starting again and again that was pretty low but i think in terms of a single moment it had to be um i think it had to be the 09 grand final 97 got me pretty low i remember i did not I went, you know, I copped it pretty hard as a 12-year-old or whatever. I went into my bedroom and didn't talk to anyone for days. But um, <laughs> 09, somehow it was tougher. 2010, this is a story I've, I've told before on stage and stuff, but um, it's uh, it's all it's iconic amongst my friends as being a real... It's a Richmondy thing to do for a Saint supporter, I think. I put, to as an emotional insurance in 2010... I put a grand on the pies to soften the blow. If we lose, at least I win cash. So if the Saints win, I'm happy. The pies win, I win money. The only thing I didn't consider was a draw, um, <laughs> which meant I didn't get either. Oh, what would the payout for a draw have been? Oh, been I mean, yeah, I'm, and we don't have to worry about that anymore because again, things change. <laughs> they change the rule after that. A game that nearly everyone says if if there was overtime, the Saints win that game. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so that was that was pretty bad. The draw was interesting because uh, I have good mates who go for the pies. They're at the game. Um, I wasn't at the game, but I watched it on telly nearby. And it was the only way we could all meet up for a beer that night was if it was a draw. We all caught up at a at a pub in on Swan Street, and um, 
you know, that was if we ended up winning, it would have been a great memory that day. But it's just the the painful what could have been instead. My mate, uh, a cousin who's a Saint supporter, met a friend of a Collingwood supporter, and they ended up getting married. And it would have only because of the draw would they have both been at that pub that night. So it was a, it, it was wow. possibly like a great iconic story. But losing the next week just means I can't watch I can't watch either of those games and can't enjoy any of it really. And no, I lost all that no, cash. I haven't- Although I, I, I dipped back in and went again on the pies the next week, so I kind of leveled it off a bit. But got some, you know, uh, good. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. Yes, yeah. always chase your losses, uh, um, your emotional losses. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for doing the show. Just one last question: um, If the Saints and the Saints women's team were to fold tomorrow, would you keep following football? Would you pick another club and carry on? So in this scenario, it's not relocating or merging. It's just they're they're done. A line's put through them. They're gone. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like if if, if we were relocated, which is you know always in the back of a Saint supporter's mind, a merger or a relocation, mm-hmm. I think I would probably just go with them. But if they were if yeah. they were gone, I'd I'd still I probably would uh, make my mum's day and um, oh, fuck, it would be hard to do, but go oh, back wow. to Carlton. I don't know. Like so I call my second team because it I, makes her happy, and when and it has been easier to do that in recent times. I'm genuinely when Nunes kicked that goal after the siren, I was ecstatic <laughs> about it. But um, yeah, I think I'd it would take time, but I would, I guess I would go for the. I'd find someone. Otherwise, it'd be an expansion club, or you know whoever's replacing us get on at the ground floor sort of thing. But I would go for someone. What if it was I think. Lo- I mean, is there a percentage of the absorption if it was a merger, like if it became like the Gold Coast Saints, but they were still red and gold, would that be like, and eh, this feels tokenistic? Yeah, that is. I mean, at least give us the colours. Come on. Uh, their jersey sucks as well. It's the worst in the league. Do yourselves a favour and take on our strip at the very least. You know? Um, yeah. I don't, yeah, that's tricky. I think I probably would do it, but uh, I wouldn't, you know, in the because you don't want to play your cards too early uh, when mm. you're, um, you know, you're going to the club going, hey, I, I'll only come with you if they at least get the colours. I You can't put all your cards on the table now. But, yeah, I probably would just whatever it was, even if it was not even the name. They just said, hey, uh uh, we're sending Daryl Baldock's ashes. <laughs> we're burying them in the center square at Metricon Stadium. I'd be like, "All right, that's enough for me. Go Saints." First, we have to di- first we have to dig him up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it, <laughs> unless you know the better. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, any predictions for the Saints in twenty twenty one? I just hope, I just hope we're amongst it again. I tr- I mean, it's all about expectation setting as a Saints supporter, and I real keep low them, setting keep them low. low. Just want to be competitive. <laughs> want to be in the game. Would be a bit sad to not make finals, but uh, who knows? Who knows? All right. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, Charlie. We are two guys, one car.